Um, okay, let's open to Genesis chapter 15. Um, we, as we've been saying, are, are in like an Advent series this month. And this morning we are going to look at the life of Abraham and what it is to wait on the Lord. Advent means arrival or coming. So part of Advent is this, this waiting, this anticipation. Uh, so we'll, we'll be looking at different chunks of Abraham's life from chapters 15 to 21. So keep your Bible open. We'll be kind of skipping around a little bit, but we'll start at Genesis 15. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm actually going to read for us before we pray. I'm going to read Isaiah 64 verse 4. This is going to just frame our time in the word this morning and then we'll pray. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says this. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you act for those who are are willing to trust you and wait on you. Or thank you that you tell us just to be still and to know that you are God. Lord, I ask that this morning as we, as we just still ourselves before your word, that, that we would find real nourishment for our souls. Lord, if we're feeling maybe sick spiritually, we would, we would find health in your word. If we're feeling weary and tired, that we would find strength and, and fuel and food and refreshment in your word this morning. You are our good shepherd, and this morning you, you're leading us beside still waters to restore our souls. You, as you nourish us, you give us the nourishment of your word. So would you speak, Lord, in a way that's far more powerful than anything I could, could say, Lord, because we're looking to you and your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, you know, nobody loves waiting, right? Nobody loves the act of waiting. I have a one-year-old son, and he already is the most impatient person in the whole world. I, it's, he's like generally okay, but when he knows food is coming, like if he starts smelling the food, a switch turns, he is the worst human you have ever seen. He gets, he, you put him in his, in his high chair, and his whole body goes rigid, and his whole face is beat red, and he's, he's just screaming, like, you, like your ears are hurting, just screaming, and you're like, I know I'm, we're cooking food. You just have to wait maybe 30 seconds, but he cannot wait. And I think this is maybe something we're going to deal with our whole life. But nobody loves to wait. As a society, we've learned as a society to use all our resources to minimize our waiting, right? We all love Amazon Prime. We all can't stand it. If our two-day shipping takes three days, we're like, are you serious? I paid for this two-day shipping. Um, I, we, we can rent movies and books just from our own house. It comes to us. I read uh, in an article, it says this, people will visit a website less often if it is slower than a competitor by more than 250 milliseconds. We've literally been able to like, this is too slow. I'm never coming here again. Like we do that. Um, and yet as, as followers of Jesus, we celebrate uh, this season in a very countercultural way. Not only are we awaiting people, we celebrate waiting. We, as, as a church, celebrate this act, this process of waiting. One pastor has said this about Advent and waiting, such a good quote. In a religious milieu, however you say that word, that has fixated itself on using Jesus to provide seekers with their most convenient lives here and now, Advent is a particularly awkward intrusion right? We, we think, how can Jesus just make my life easier and more comfortable right now? And then Jesus shows up and he's like, actually, I want you to wait. 
actually I'm not always just about what do you need right now? How can I bless you? In fact, what if I'm teaching you to wait? That's, that's a pretty difficult, uncomfortable thing. And, and, you know, waiting's inconvenient, but it's not just inconvenient. If we're honest, sometimes waiting is deeply disheartening. Um, often what makes waiting for me palatable is that if I can see like there's an end in sight, right? Like, okay, it's coming. But often when it comes to walking with Jesus, there, we don't know what that end is. He doesn't always just say, do you know what? One more year, just six more months. It's often this open-ended just waiting on Jesus. And that is so difficult and and just that, like that tension in our souls, Jesus, how much longer? And sometimes he intentionally doesn't tell us to teach us to wait on him. I remember, uh, so I was on a fly fishing trip. I was on a solo trip a couple months ago. And it was, I was going to hike like seven miles to these lakes. And there's, you know, like a river running between them all. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to hike I don't want to wait to get there. I just want to, why don't I just hike up the river and I'll find them eventually, right? And so I'm just in the water all day and like, it's like most of the day and I don't really know how far I've been because I'm not on a trail. And I'm like, no, I want to get to the lake. So I wander off into the woods somewhere where I think maybe the trail's for sure going to be somewhere over there. And you know, it's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I find a trail and then I remember looking at the map like, oh wait, there were many trails. Is this the right trail? I don't know. And so let's just walk up the mountain for, and I walked for about an hour with this, like, you just get more and more, like, sinking feeling like I'm lost in the woods. Like, you just start to freak out. And what made it so difficult is I didn't know, I didn't even know if I was on the right path or not. That's what made it so difficult. If I had a map, it's like, okay, just two more hours, I'm fine. But if I didn't know, you just start to feel uneasy. And often when we're walking with Jesus, it feels like that. Like, am I even on the right road? Is this even right? And then we have all these people saying, no, it's this way. And then we read books that say, no, it's this way. And then you hear a sermon, it's like, well, maybe it's this way. And how can I know? But then I have this sense in my heart, is this the Holy Spirit saying do this? It's just, it's really uneasy. And we wait for significant things. Some of us are waiting for a spouse. Some of us, like Martha and Mary, are waiting for Jesus to show up and heal a family member. Some of us are waiting, like a parent of a prodigal son or daughter, like, God, please, will they come home? And we don't even know if God's going to answer that prayer as a yes. And so we're just waiting, and it's uncomfortable. And, and then, on top of all of that, have, have you not experienced, as I have, this act of trying to wait on the Lord, and it feels like the Lord himself isn't showing up? Like, are you there are, where are you, Lord? Or maybe we're, we're in worship and it's like, I, why am I not experiencing what everyone else seems to be experiencing? Maybe I'm trying to read the Bible and it's just, it's like, are you there, Lord? This is confusing. And one of the most important lessons our Heavenly Father teaches his kids is to wait on him. This is, this is what it is. We, like little kids, are so impatient. And, and what's the only way to teach a little kid to wait is by actually doing it, by actually teaching your child, wait on me. That's what our heavenly father does. Look at this, Psalm 130, verse five and six. It says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. And so as that psalm says, in his word I hope, 
we're going to look at his word this morning and we're going to learn, we're going to get some encouragement, some direction, maybe some redirection about what it is to wait on the Lord. So we're going to look at the first six verses in Genesis chapter 15 to get started. So Genesis 15, we'll read verses one through six. I think we'll have it on the screen as well. I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. The beginning of this story starts like this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, which, sorry, quick pause, is Abram right now, and later in the story, his name changes to Abraham. So like, who are these? Are they brothers? It's the same guy. Okay, back to Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and the member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, there's so much we could see and and gain from this text, but I want to specifically look through the lens of waiting on the Lord. And in this culture at this time, your entire legacy and worth was represented through your children. Okay, like that was where it was. It wasn't your bank account. It wasn't your job success. It was like having a family that you could pass your name down. And this so-called father Abraham at this moment was 75 years old. His wife was 65 years old and they had no kids. This couple was a failure by every like standard of their culture. They, they were failures. Their family would not continue. They were past the age of bearing children. And, and this, actually this story, this there's been, uh, we've been learning about Abraham since chapter 12, but these words are the first words we, we read that Abraham speaks to God. These are the first things he says. And the first words of Father Abraham is almost a challenge to God, a question. These deep desires, God, I don't even have a son. You said you're gonna use me and my offspring. I don't even have a son. You know my desires, but how can this be? That's the, the longing of a man who's walking with God, but is like, God, what are you doing? Where are you? And what I love is, is God is aware. He's aware of Abraham and your deepest longings and desires. He knows. He knows the things you are longing for and waiting for. And, and he, he comes to Abraham and he doesn't rebuke him. He says, he, he's like, you know what? Come outside with me, like a good dad. He's like, look up. And he just tells Abraham this, this thing that's like, impo- like, it's too much to comprehend. You see all these stars? Your offspring will be more than these. Like that's, that's craziness. And, and even Abraham's, he's like, just give me maybe one son. Like I don't even have I don't have one. And God often shows up and, and he blows our expectations out of the water. He's like, Abraham, I'm gonna do through you far more than even what you're, you're longing for one son. I'm gonna do so much more. And here's, here's a, a real challenge to us. Do, do we, will we believe God is able to do stuff like that? Do you believe God as Abraham did that God is able to show up in your life, in your situation. Do you have that kind of faith? 
Or has that been broken? Are you you not trusting the Lord anymore? Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 about about what God is able to do. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I think one of the first things we learn about waiting on the Lord is we, gotta, we maybe need to get over our jadedness. Like, no, the Lord's not going to do it. He's not able to do it. Think about how crazy it would have been for a 75-year-old man married to a 65-year-old wife be told your offspring will be more than the stars of the sky. Like, that's craziness, God. But he believed the Lord. You can't wait on the Lord if you don't even believe he's real and able to work in your life. You can't wait on him if he's not able to show up. But Abraham believes. He believes in the Lord. Now, that's awesome. That's a cool little bit of the story. But as we will continue to read, the way to this fulfillment is through a long, long, long journey, a 25-year journey of waiting on the Lord. He has his promise from God, but 25 years go by and no circumstances change. Just picture that. Not a circumstance changes for 25 years. And if you know how like the human body works, the circumstances actually get worse right? Like it's not going in in an encouraging, promising direction. And so we're going to read about Abraham and his wife's journey. We're going to read about their mistakes, God's grace, and we can continue to learn what it is to wait on the Lord. So just look at uh, chapter 16. We're going to read the first three verses of 16. Now, uh, as we get to this chapter, 10 years go by, okay? 10 years, 10 years go by. Think about where you were 10 years ago. That's, I mean, 10 years, that's a long time. Ten years go by and we read these verses. Now Sarai, which her name is later changed to Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. I mean, even just pause right there. What a just depressing verse, right? Now, no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Sense a little bitterness there. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Sarah. Um, I want us to notice a couple of things. So, So 10 years go by. Your wife's now 75. You're now 85. And and they're beginning to wonder, you know, maybe God didn't, maybe God didn't say we'd have our own son. Maybe it would be like, you know, like a proxy son through, through uh, one of our servants. Maybe that's what God meant. And I want us to notice this. One of the challenges of waiting on the Lord for your, your life is it becomes really difficult to trust what God has said. The longer we wait, the more difficult it is to trust God's character and what he has said. Did God really say? Is God really able to do what he said. Do you know what? Maybe I should step up and get it done myself. Maybe God wants me to provide for myself. Maybe God isn't really either able to provide or he's just waiting for me to go provide for myself. And, and I, I have to say this, we live in a culture where these are the books that are getting sold. Get it done. Step up. Set your goals. Set your dreams. God may bless it, but like you need to provide for yourself. What are you waiting for? You have all that you need. This, this is what we are being coached in through the world all day long. 
And so another challenge that we notice here when we're waiting on the Lord is whose wisdom are we listening to? Whose wisdom, whose advice, what counsel? Are we listening to people who fear and trust the living God? Abraham, as sad to say, maybe controversial to say, was not listening to the, the right source of advice in this scenario. There are most times, men, you should listen to your wife. But when your wife says, hey, maybe you should sleep with another woman, there is an appropriate moment to say, maybe that's not right. Maybe that's not the Lord. And and here's what we know. We know that in the beginning, God clearly set out his design for sex and marriage. A man's to leave his parents, cling to his wife. They become one flesh. Yet at this, in this cultural moment at this time, it was really common because legacy and children was the way you like grew your family. It was, it was a very common practice to have female slaves, to have more children. And so what Sarah did here is she used the wisdom of the world to try and accomplish God's plan for her life. Do you hear that? She used the wisdom of the world, what all of her neighbors would be like, yeah, that makes sense to try and accomplish God's plan. And Abraham should have been more discerning. Now, I, I don't think this is waiting on the Lord. I think this is us trying to figure it out in our own understanding. And, and I even think the, the author of this story is reminding us of a previous story. Listen, does this sound familiar? A wife handing her husband forbidden fruit. And the husband listening to the voice of his wife when he knew he shouldn't have, when he knew better, I think there's these, this, the same Genesis 3 is happening all over again here. And I, I want to get really practical for a moment because here's where we tend to go when, when we start hearing about waiting on the Lord and not just taking care of ourselves. We, we hear questions like this. So are you saying we're just supposed to wait on the Lord and never do anything, right? Just sit in a room and pray and the Lord's going to do everything. I'm waiting for a better job. Am I not supposed to like, you know, put out my resume or fill out applications or I'm waiting for a spouse, Do I just sit and pray and not do anything? And I want to say this. That's not what the Bible says when it comes to making life decisions and waiting on the Lord. The Bible has given us wisdom for how to rightly pursue a spouse, a new job, even how to pursue things like healing or moving to a different city. But listen, the key in these seasons of waiting on the Lord, number one, is to not walk in sin to pursue what we're waiting for, right? I'm waiting, I'm waiting on this. So maybe I should just cut a couple of corners. Maybe I should do something I know is not right. The Bible's really clear. Don't walk in sin while you're waiting. Another thing the Bible is clear on is don't stray from the Lord's leading. What you know the Lord has led you to, don't stray from that. Waiting on the Lord doesn't keep us from acting, but it keeps us from acting against how the Lord's already been leading us. Uh, there's, there's a season of my life, I think I've, I've shared this many times, where I was graduating college, felt called to ministry, felt it made most sense to me to pursue seminary. And it was in a worship service here that my fiance at the time, felt, we felt the Lord say, no, it's not my plan for you. Uh, that was, it wasn't a postcard from heaven. It was just, I feel the Holy Spirit saying that. And that was so difficult for me. It was so difficult. And uh, we tried to obey and I ended up getting a job at Starbucks and I was honestly miserable and I was just longing to do ministry. And the Lord was working many, many things in me. And uh, there's kind of like two, two different types of tests that came. Number one were like the sin tests, like escape this scenario through sin. And then the other tests were like escape this scenario by like, yeah, this is a reasonable thing. I'll go over here. Uh, one of the sin tests, so 
I was working at Starbucks making almost no money. And this man comes up to me while I'm working and he was like, you're perfect. And I was like, and I'm making his coffee. He was like, can I talk to you after you get off today? I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, so he, I'm wondering what is happening. He sits down. He's like, I'm making a movie. I would love to pay you. So I was, you know, making no money. He was like, I'd love to pay you $40,000 for six weeks of work. I'll fly you out to Florida, be in my movie. And I'm like, that's like double what I make in a year right now. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So tell me about the movie. There's enough of the Lord in me like, so what is this? And then he goes on to describe just this crazy, you're like a drug pusher and you get to, you'll be like, you'll, there'll be naked girls all around. And he's just trying to sell it to me. And I was just like, I just like deflated inside. And I was like, oh, six weeks of work for a whole year. Like, and there was something that was just so sick of waiting that this looked so appealing, but I knew, no, this is sin. This is not the way the Lord's leading me in my waiting. You may be waiting for a different job. What I have to say here is be faithful at your present job. Pursue another job in an honorable way. Wait on the Lord. Don't just quit. Don't just do a bad job. Be faithful. You may be in a a rough financial situation. Seek the Lord. Wait and don't cut corners. Don't lie on your taxes. Don't blur what is clearly black and white. You're like, but I have to provide for my family, so, so I should sin. That's not how the Lord works. He says, wait on me. The, the key in these seasons is to not wander from what we clearly know the Lord has spoken. And then the more difficult one is when good opportunities come up that we just have a sense, I don't think this is the Lord. Um, I, the Lord clearly called my wife and I to this church, to reality. And um, so I'm working at Starbucks. You know, my grandparents are like, why aren't you in seminary? Why? So how much are they paying you over there? I'm like, no, you know, they're not. It's been like three years. Like, uh, mm, okay. And um, you're hearing stuff like this. And then these job offers would come from other churches. And they weren't bad churches. And they were awesome jobs with a lot, making more money than I was at Starbucks. And it was like, I felt like a crazy person. Like, like here's an awesome job doing what you say you feel called to do. But I just knew for some weird, inexplicable reason, it just wasn't what the Spirit was doing. It just wasn't. I knew he led me here, but that was tested over and over and over. And th- this tension comes up. And I, the, the one thing I would say in those moments, remember what God had said, and then go seek community, go seek godly people. I, man, there were, there were some godly people who encouraged me to what seemed like craziness. Hey, just stay put. Just keep not making money. Just keep serving the Lord. Like, there's no one telling, no one tells you that in a motivational book. No one says that kind of stuff. But I knew these people loved and walked with the Lord and I, I knew it was right. Yet sadly, Abram and Sarah, they moved in their own understanding. They have this child. They come up with their own plan. Ishmael is born and they, they totally fall away from this, this path the Lord had set out for them. But I love, this is what I love about our Lord. Old Testament God, though they failed and were in sin, God continues to pursue this couple in love and mercy and grace. Number one, he cleans up that mess and he he blesses Ishmael. He cares for his mom, Hagar. And now look at, we're gonna read Genesis 17 verses one one and two and then we're gonna skip down to verse 15. So so this this is like 24 years later, they, they, blew, they blew it. And this is, this is what happens. When Abram was 99 years old. Do we even know anybody that old? 
Does anybody know anyone that old? 99? No? Maybe? Okay, yeah, so a couple. It happens. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And then they go through this whole covenant and skip down to verse 15. And this is what the Lord says to him. And God said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. This is, this is other son. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means he laughs. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his own offspring after him. Have any of you been guilty of moving ahead of the Lord? Like all of us, right? And, and, and have any of you even moved into sinful places when we're waiting on the Lord? Yes, all of us. Yet our God is a God of grace and he pursues people like us. This, is, this comes up so often when people are waiting on the Lord and they do something stupid. It's like, I blew it. I ruined God's plan for my life. Like there's, here's God's plan for my life. I'm over here, I blew it. How am I ever gonna get back on the path? I blew it. Do you know what this path, you know what God does? He's like, let me just move this path, pursue you, and I'm still at work in your life. That is, God is so big and so good. You cannot blow your plan for his life. You don't have that much power. You're not God. He is able to fix our biggest messes and work through them, and he pursues those of us who wander off course. Just like Adam and Eve, when they wandered and they ran and hid from God, God came after them. He clothed them as this picture of, I still love you. I still cover you with new righteousness. And even through Eve, your future son, Jesus, is going to come. You guys, you've never wandered too far for God's plan for your life. Your life is never too far gone. God, not only can he still, he promises he is at work in your life. He can and will fulfill his promises for you. Now, I love this, amen. Abraham's 99 years old. He's waited 24 years. And I love that God's like, oh, it'll be about another year, right? Like, you're just, can we just do this now, God? But they wait. And then skip ahead to Genesis 21, we're going to skip past a couple of other stories. And here's how this, this story ends up. We'll read the first seven verses. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You guys, God keeps his promises. Your waiting right now is not, will not be forever. 
And I want to get, um, I want to get like really real and personal. What we, we long for, and it makes sense, we have these desires and we just wish, we wait for this moment in our life. God, please just give me what I'm waiting for. And it's so easy to view our life and our desires and our longings, everything through this lens. It's just about this thing happening. And, and I, I want, and what we often view is like my life, if my life was like a story, like I, I'm at the center and this thing is like the main thing in my life. The, my struggles, my circumstances, it consumes me. It's at the center. And God even knows this and he cares for us. But here's what God will do in the waiting. There's a time when he's gonna walk you outside and lift your eyes to the stars like he did to Abraham and say, son, daughter, I want you to get your eyes off of even your immediate desire and see that I'm doing something bigger right now in your life. I know you want this thing. Abraham, I know you want a son and, and I'll give you a son, but Abraham, look up. I'm, I'm doing far more than what you are even, what you could ever think I'm doing. I know you're waiting for this thing, but Abraham, I'm doing like this thing. Because Abraham, from your baby boy, there would come another baby boy born by another miracle to another mother who could hardly believe it. Abraham, I know your life, and and Sarah, I know your life is all about this baby that you long for, but I'm going to bring my son through you to bless the nations. I am doing something far bigger than what your real, but in, in the grand scheme of things, very small problems are. I see them, I'm gonna address them, but I want you to look up and see that I'm doing something far more significant. And so 1,500 or so years later in Luke 2, we read this. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Man, Abraham just wanted a son. God's like, I'm bringing a savior. Think about that. Your desires right now, I just want this thing. You need to know that the Lord sees that but is working that desire to glorify Jesus somehow. He's, he's at work. That's, how, that's what he does with our longing. It's like, I'll address it, but I want you to see that there's something far bigger. There's, there's a bigger story, and it's not just your story. And there's, there's a main character, a savior, Christ the Lord. That's what this is all about. And all of our desires, all of our longings, all of our waitings, we should bring them to God and he sees them and he cares and he is at work. But the end goal of all of this is, is Jesus, is, is seeing and worshiping and magnifying Jesus in your life and people looking in on your life and seeing not, oh, that's cool, God gave them a kid. Like, wow, I see Jesus in their life. And as Sarah laughed for joy over what God had did, and as the angels proclaimed Jesus is bringing great joy, so to you can find joy even in your waiting right now. Because God is at work and there's more of the story than just your waiting. Because Jesus really came to make things right. And do you know what else? He's coming again. The waiting isn't forever. 
as surely as Jesus came once, he's coming again and you will see him face to face and all of your desires will be met. All of your longings, all of your achings and yearnings will be set right. All of your broken bodies will be healed and made right. All of our deepest desires will be right as we look at Jesus. He's coming again. We're waiting right now, but we can have joy because we know this is not the end. Our waiting is not the end of the story. And so as we wait, right, I think maybe one of the hardest things as we wait is it's just, it's just exhausting, I don't know how much longer I can just hold on. And what I want to close our time reading these verses from the prophet Isaiah of what it is to wait on the Lord and what happens as we wait on the Lord. It says this, have you not known, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall, fall, shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Hear this. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what we do right now in second set, what we do every morning is we wait on the Lord. And as we wait on the Lord, we we bring those desires, bring those things fresh to him, give them to him. And then what we find in return is strength to wait, strength to say no to sin, strength to trust that he really is at work. And we find strength to simply just trust, you you are at work, God. I don't know how this is possible, but you are good and you are at work. And so as we are approaching worship, um, yeah, the band can cruise up. I'm gonna encourage us to do something right now. Let's close our eyes. And as an act of trust and surrender, I want us to open up our hands. And this, this posture right here is just us saying, Lord, I trust you. My hands are open to you. I trust that you are far more able to work for me and in my life than I am able. I trust you. And church, I just want to encourage us, let's just be still before the Lord for a moment. Let's together corporately wait on the Lord. And then as we move to worship, um, this is this act of, of looking up, like Abraham with the Lord. I'm looking up. There's more going on here. This is about Jesus and not just my life. And we will find strength. So let's just be still before the Lord and and then approach him together.